Hello everybody, co-owner Om Gandhi here. Welcome one, welcome all to the audio edition of the Fireside Chats. For more stories like this, go to our website at runtrymag.com. That's runtrymag.com. You can also find us on Instagram at runtrymag. And you can also find us on Facebook at runtrybike. And now, on to the show. Um, perfect time, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Eric, we're giving the audience a little bit of who you are and your background, but so we don't screw it up. Why don't you tell the audience who you are and what you do, and then we'll just jump into the Q&A from there. Oh, boy, I don't even know what to say. Um, all right, Eric Opdyke. Um, I've been involved in the sport of triathlon for about 15 years now. Uh, I started as a racer. Uh, and I was invited to uh, be on a, a race committee to help produce a charity sprint triathlon in Connecticut. Uh, that's how I got involved uh, on the business side of triathlon. And then um, I helped start Rev3 uh, back in 2009. Uh, was our first event. And then um, went through a lot of, um, you know, ups and downs and iterations and, and mergers and and uh, and sales and things like that. Um, and I'm now still involved in the sport, but in different capacities and helping a lot of other race directors produce their events uh, and, and consulting with USA Triathlon and, and a lot of things. So I'm very entrenched in the sport. Love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, I'm excited to um, see where the future goes with it and help, um, you know, be a part of that, um, that path towards the future as well. Awesome. I remember Rev3. I raced the uh, Old Orchard Beach, Maine, years before Ironman took it over and made it 70.3 Maine. And what a great location for a race event, let me tell you. Um, I know it's not a part of the Rev3 umbrella, but if you guys get a chance to, to check out that event, please do so. Um, talk to us about starting Rev3 as, as an entity in the face of what is a behemoth, uh, bigger today than it was back in 2009, but still a pretty big entity and, and what your thought process was in creating a new uh, competitor to the Ironman brand. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to give that credit to Charlie Patton. He was the, the founder and owner at the time. He brought me in um, to really, I was, I was more of a, I had more expertise on producing events. So more on the operation side of things, race directing. Um, but Charlie's vision was to um, go out and kind of fill a gap or a void that he felt the industry had. Um, and that was to provide more of a family friendly environment. Right. And I, we felt that, um, um, that a lot of events were so focused on the athlete and not enough focus on families. So one of the things we set out to do was to really make the, fo the focus all about the families. And so we looked at venues that were family friendly, that were things for kids to do, um, you know, spouses, significant others that were there supporting, that there were things for them to do. And so we picked like some amusement parks and we picked, like you said, Maine, which was, which is a, a nice family vacation spot for people to hang out at the beach. They have, you know, an amusement park there, a little boardwalk kind of area. We were at Cedar Point, we were at Quasi. So they, they, they all kind of had that theme of being family friendly. And what we realized is that in many cases, kids were actually driving those decisions to actually go back and repeat those events. So you talk about retention and it wasn't the, the, the racers that were 
necessarily wanting to repeat that event, a lot of those decisions were driven by the families and the kids because they had so much fun. And so then we realized we were onto something. Uh, instead of focusing on the athlete, we focused on the families. <clears throat> and that was our strategy. Uh, we, we had a lot of other strategies. It, it, you know, we had big prize, you know, prize, prize purses and, um, and, and um, you know, we had a series and, you know, a lot of things that necessarily, you know, we didn't see. Yeah, the ambassador team was, you know, frankly, one of the best things we've ever done. And we continue to do that to this day. Um, Does that make know, us, we remember these things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, prob pretty much, pretty much. You know, we celebrate the last place finisher, like, incredible, like, better than the first place finisher. We, we, um, the, the, we, we, we let people go down the finish line with their, their family because we know it's a journey you do with, with your support system. Yeah. And we're like, wait a minute, like, this is, this is a team effort here. And so those are those, you know, again, those are those things that we felt like was a void or a gap. And we really wanted to put a lot of focus on, on those things. And customer service was, you know, a huge focus of ours in, in making the sport accessible, breaking down the barriers to entry and, and helping, you know, uh, you know, we would do like newbie athlete meetings, right? Because, yeah. you know, they're like, they're in a sea of spandex and they're like, <laughs> what do I do? This is such a complex sport. And many of them are just showing up for the first time they're like, I don't know what's going on. I see these guys with, you know, arrow helmets and these $10,000 bikes. And, you know, I have a little beater bike. Yep. And they don't know how to set up transition. And so, you know, part of our ambassador team, their role was like their race was really secondary to everything else. And yep. so we said, look, we want you to go into transition and we want you to find that deer in headlights person that is like lost. What do I do? And, and just go to them and help them out, right? Or if you're on the bike course and somebody has a flat tire, we want you to stop and help them. Like that's the Rev3 brand, that's the philosophy. Um, and so, you know, and, and we kept doing that. We, you know, we had a designated last place finisher, right? No one wants to be the last place finisher, right? But somebody has to be. Well, guess who was? Our brand ambassadors were the last place finishers, yeah. right? So they would actually go and follow the last place person throughout the entire race. And so that that person didn't feel alone and we would stay out them, encourage them because guess what? They want to quit, right? Yeah. They don't want to be last or they're, they're discouraged, but we created an incredible amount of loyalty from those people alone that finished in last place because of that yeah. program. Right. I so, yeah. So I I started triathlon and endurance sports in about 2007. So right, right around the time Rev3 was starting and I, I had friends that were Rev3 ambassadors, and it was very family-oriented. It was very family-driven. One of the first things I do remember, not just the ambassadors talking about, but you guys as an organization was bring your family down the finisher chute, right? Like, let's celebrate. And, and one of the things I do as a coach is I, when I talk to an athlete, I'm like, make sure your family and your friends are, are buying in because it's going to take time. And so then for you guys to then take that opportunity to celebrate those folks as well, change the game. And, and, and one of the things that I love about ultra running that we don't still, that we don't see with um, the Ironman brand is that family friendly scenario of running down the finisher shoot, celebrating with the people that got you there, right? 
these are individual sports, but they are not done alone. For sure, they are not done alone. Oh my gosh, no way. No and way. so I remember all of those moments and all of those things um, happening and, and seeing them take place. And, and it was phenomenal to watch and people enjoying themselves with each other. Keep your urban running adventures going all winter long with high-performance traction designed specifically for icy roads. The Catula Nano Spikes footwear traction have a low-profile design that won't affect your stride while running. The 10 ultra-tough tungsten carbide spikes give you traction that you can trust. Don't let the ice and snow stop you from reaching your goals. For more information, visit Catula.com. No uh, sorry, guys. You know, hey, I'm in a hotel room in Dallas, Texas, Irving, Texas, to get ready for the um, PTO US Open. Um, and so, unfortunately, their their internet access here is really bad, and my cell signal is bad. So, gosh, I I, I feel like you know, I'm, I'm that guy. So, sorry about uh, that. Charlie's uh, Charlie's <laughs> been joining. He's been commenting on it on the uh, referee side of it all. So, don't worry. He's filled in for you admirably. Oh, I see that now. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, you bring up PTO. Um, talk, tell us about that, because I remember when I raced the U.S. Open in Dallas, it was in Rockwall. It wasn't a PTO event. And now it's going to be completely different from what I participated in. Oh, my gosh. It, it's what the PTO is doing in, in the sport is, you know, they're trying to build up, um, you know, a, a true professional you know, organization. Um, much like you would see in golf and tennis, creating, you know, Ryder Cup events. And, uh, and so I think their long-term vision is kind of having, you know, they had the Canadian Open this year. Uh, they had their Collins Cup, which is like a Ryder Cup event. And now they're having the U.S. Open. And I think their long-term vision is to have maybe, you know, a European Open and, you know, go to some other areas and, and um, be, be more of a global event, um, provide professionals with a, a true, you know, professional living. Uh, ability to make a professional living um, and not just a hobby and make some money on the side or struggle to make money. So they're doing some really, really amazing things. And um, I'm a part of this uh, production team, which is, which is massive. And uh, it'll be streamed live on Saturday and Sunday. Um, the women will race one day, the men will race another day. Uh, we also have a, a whole age group, um, uh, two age group races, a 25 K race um, and then a hundred K race. Um, for them. So it's, uh, we have four races in two days and uh, a massive effort and um, just multiple people producing it. So it's really exciting to be part of it. So you, you mentioned there's going to be a live broadcast, excuse me, on uh, PTO plus um, and during our conversation earlier. So is, is that where the sport is going? Do you think is that where endurance sports as a whole is, is going where we're going to have more live broadcast and, and how does that happen? How does that, how do we make that work? Can you elaborate on that? And, and is there a connection from that to what you see with the PTO plus today? No, I don't. I don't see that connection uh, with the PTO. Um, you know, our, we, we went out, um, you know, obviously triathlon being such a long distance, right. And, and expensive as Charlie said to produce that with cameras. And so, you know, inside of a NASCAR track, if you will, which is what we did with rush, you know, we could have stationary cameras see the entire race happen uh, in a, like a super sprint format. Um, you know, and I think that much like what Super League is doing, like you mentioned Super League. So, um, you know, I think if we had, you know, 
deeper pockets and, and we could, you know, try it for longer. You know, I think it's one of those things where you have to change the mindset of, um, of, of athletes that this might be a new form, you know, right. and, and they may not be acceptable of it. Right. Cause you know how it is. It's, you know, it's a bucket list to do an Ironman. Right. Right. And so everybody sort of works up to that and you get the tattoo and, and, um, you know, so it's like, oh, that's, you know, that short stuff is hard and, and it's too short. And, you know, so I don't know. I don't know if it will be accepting. Um, it, it, it takes a, it's going to take a massive marketing effort to do it. Um, and so, yeah, we tried it for a couple of years, but I will say that the athletes that, they, that did that, they said that they had the most fun they've ever had in triathlon, you know, and we allowed people, we had a, a we called it like triathlon meets NCAA, like the, the, the um, March Madness. Right. So it wasn't like you just raced one little super sprint race. You, it was a bracket format, right? So if you win, you move on. And you, you would race like four times in a day. So at the end of the day, like if you were doing well, gosh, you were doing the equivalent of like a half Ironman or something, you know, and you were <laughs> exhausted, right? So you've got your money's worth for sure. It allowed us to do that. Um, so, yeah, that was really cool. But um, like I said, we just didn't get the ROI that we needed to to continue. And we didn't have the deep pockets to, to keep, you know, pumping money into it. Well, one thing that, that you brought up was the length of triathlon, Ironman distance races, right? So anywhere mid-pack group age groupers are finishing, you know, 12 hours to 17 hours, right? We're the back of the pack where the time limit is. Yeah. But in today's world, where our attention spans are literally getting shorter and shorter and shorter, wouldn't this be the, uh, an environment ripe for that type of racing where it may take, you know, 30 minutes to an hour for an event to be completed? And if you do something like Super League where you do multiple rounds of it and you adjust it a little bit, I, to me, I would think we would be a little bit more accepting of changing the triathlon format a little bit, no? Or is it just the old people yelling at the cloud? Well, I did it this way, and this is the way it needs to be done. Yeah, so I believe that if you're going to do that, it needs to be, it needs to come from the top down. And so our national governing body or our world governing body needs to truly get behind that and support that, right, as an accepted format. We've got to have national championships, world championships. We have to have a whole system in place in order for that to be successful. I don't think you know, this one-off company who wants to try to change the entire, you know, format is going to, is going to make it right. So in our case, and I'm not blaming USA triathlon by any means, but if USA triathlon had said, look, we are going to put so much emphasis around short course racing because we have a TV production company that we partnered with that we're going to send to 10 races and, 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 and film these races. And I know we want to talk about pickleball, <laughs> um, because there's some analogy there. Yep. Um, I think I think it could work, but only only with full support. Um, I think from a governing body to say, you know what, this is an accepted format. We're going to support, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just I don't think one company alone is going to be able to 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 make it work. Now, Super League is obviously working on it. I don't know anything about their business model. Um, so you know, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> Their YouTube videos are highly produced. They are fantastic and you can enjoy because they also dive into the personal lives. 
And one of the reasons we started our business was to tell stories of the everyday athlete, right? And so now that's what you see. Um, <laughs> Charlie said that's how Eric is getting old pickleball. <laughs> sure, Charlie. You'll be there with me soon. <laughs> is that they dive into the athletes' lives as well and in their production. And so they're telling those stories. So I think they can draw an audience that way. One thing you mentioned earlier was doing it in a racetrack, which is what we see Clash doing, right? Watkins Glen, Daytona. Bit, yeah. um, I wonder if there's an opportunity for them. I don't know what their backing is because I don't think they're associated with Challenge anymore. I think they're a separate entity altogether. So I don't know what their backing is outside of, I believe, a few of their board of director members are um, also at NASCAR as well, who I just, lights just went out on me here. Now it's spooky. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I, I'm not familiar with with um, their strategy. And, and again, I think I think a lot of their events go. You know, they they kind of center around, you know, racetracks. But but I don't know that they're all self-contained within. Um, obviously, you need a body of water, um, right. You know, to to hold the swim. And we had invested in in massive portable pools to do that, which okay. um, is a you know massive undertaking, which most people you know don't want to get involved in. Um, but you know, we were stupid and decided that, you know, that was something we wanted to do. Um, and it was like, oh my God, why did we ever do that? Um, it was just so much work, but anyway, um, I, I think we would have continued doing, doing it if, if it was, you know, successful, even if we could break even, um, just because we had so much fun producing them and we know our athletes uh, had so much joy racing them. Um, folks, for those of you who are joining us, we're talking with Eric Updike, who is a former owner of Rev3. He's now working with USAT, helping develop um, race directors and their programs and, and things like that. Um, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, which is, uh, <laughs> Charlie said, speaking of which, does anybody need a pool? Uh, we'll be talking about pickleball here in a moment, too, because that's Eric's latest um, hobby fascination sport that he participates in if you have questions for eric click on the little question mark on the bottom right hand side type it in otherwise yeah please keep doing what you see charlie doing on the screen there and just um asking away if anybody needs a pool not a problem we'll address that um so let's talk about pickleball because i want to get into this a little bit more and what you've seen in your time as a, you know a fledgling sport in triathlon into while pickleball has been around for a little while, it, it seems like it's a fledgling sport also starting to take off. So, so give us some information about how you got involved and where do you see that happening next? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I see so many similarities between pickleball and triathlon and, and um, you know, really from a development and growth standpoint. So 10 years ago or 15 years ago when the sport of triathlon was, you know, had an upward, you know, growth uh, curve. Um, tremendous growth. Um, we were working on getting the sport into the Olympics. Um, you know, now it's an NCAA sport. Um, and so the, all these check marks are happening. Um, and so, you know, we've got obviously world championships, we've got governing bodies across the globe. And so, yeah, we have a full on sport now. Can we make it more mainstream and TV and, and those types of things? Of course, you know, again, that's what the PTO and and, and some other organizations are trying to do, which is cool. Um, and so I see pickleball kind of following in that, right? So they're very like new in terms of like a lot of rule changes right now, um, massive growth, tons of people are playing. Of course, you know, the running joke is it's just for old people who, you know, can't <laughs> play tennis anymore or, you know, whatever. It's on a small little court, but you know, those are the people that have never tried it, never played it. 
uh, it is, you know, the average age is, is coming down very fast. Um, so it's uh, super intense, super, go ahead. Speaking of which, the, the invention of pickleball as a sport was because a dad told his kid to figure out something to keep himself entertained. So it was actually invented by a child who developed this pickleball sport in the state of Washington, mm-hmm. which and I, I, I saw this documentary piece on ESPN. I was blown away by it. Because speaking of the tie-in to sort of like triathlon, right, the Ironman concept was developed by a bunch of dudes that were just like, yeah, let's see who's better at this, right? Let's see right. you're the person who can swim, you're the person who can cycle, and you're the person who can run. All of a sudden, you have an Ironman concept. And this was, why don't you go outside, stop bothering me, basically, and go develop, you know, go figure out something to keep yourself entertained. So I could see, you know, the fledgling concept is there. Yeah, yeah. So I see, I mean, obviously, and it doesn't have, the, it doesn't have the challenge of, of, of long distance, right? And so everything is on a court, you know, even smaller than tennis, and you could have stationary cameras and, 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 you know, see the whole thing. And so I've seen the production of some of these, you know, live broadcasts, and they're very simple, very low cost. Um, now, I think what you'll see is you'll, you know, more money will come in, you'll have better, you know, equipment and more cameras and, but they have, you know, they have a little production team and some tents. I mean, it's very, you know, small scale, but enough to, to create a lot of viewership, to create, you know, a lot of sponsors and to capture people's attention for, cause you know, you could get through a game in 10 or 15 minutes or a match in, in a half an hour. Uh, so it's it's really designed for that um, from that standpoint. So that's why I believe that it's got a lot of up up upside to it. Low barrier to entry. There's like you know a paddle costs a hundred bucks, and that's all you need. You know you just you know you could tennis shoes or whatever to play it. And the the courts are everywhere now. They're they're every time you you turn around they're adding more courts because there's so many tennis courts that aren't being used. Right. They're converting them over to pickleball. And now they're they're growing some of these um, facilities, and uh, so anyway, I'm excited about it, and um, I'm actually looking at you know potentially joining in on some um, um, you know business side of it as well. Yeah, what I saw in that piece that they ran that um, you know some athletes are getting sponsored, and you know, yeah, not by small companies, not by you know the the local um, pizza shop, but. You know, Gatorade is getting involved in some of these sponsorships. You know, look, we're not talking about millions of dollars in terms of sponsorship money and that kind of stuff, but it is a, a, a fledgling sport, and you can see how that is starting to um, transfer over and people getting the attention um, for that sport. And so I'm amazed by it, honestly. Like, for those of you who are joining us on this chat, go to – Google and search for ESPN pickleball start or something of that nature. And the, the piece they did is like 10 or 12 minutes. And it, it, it's just amazing. Um, and so that for me, it, it gets my brain turning, right? So how do endurance sports then do, right? You know, people will laugh at pickleball. Like, how is this going to be a thing? And it's, it's starting to become a thing. So how do we take that? How do we learn from that and turn it into something like, um, like that for endurance sports. Like I'm thinking about trail running. We keep talking about stationary cameras. What if you mounted a GoPro to a tree at an ultra? As people come by, right, you project that stuff. And I know some ultras are in super remote locations, so getting signals is really difficult. But, you know, cameras these days 
can be purchased and reused over and over and over again with a GoPro. Um, like, so for the PTO, are you, you guys are broadcasting it. Small GoPro type cameras, iPhones, like how is that gonna take place as well? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll still see a lot of the social media um, happen with, with your phone because uh, it's quick, fast, easy, you know, small little videos and boom, you upload it, right? Um, but yeah, no, it's major. There's three production, you know, semi trailers and, and oh, really? huge, huge boom lifts. I mean, no, this is big time production stuff. Um, you know, editors and, and uh, I don't know, 27 cameras and um, it's, yeah, it's, it's massive. Um, so I don't think, again, we're, we're not talking about something that's sustainable for the average, you know, company to produce these types of things. Um, and I think you'll see that if you watch the, the live coverage um, over the weekend. So, so PTO Plus, where can we find that? Is that uh, yeah, it's an app. It's an app. It's just called PTO Plus. Uh, download the app. Just sign on. It's free to watch. You just have to you have to uh, register, you know, name, email address. That's about it. And then um, they'll remind you when the, the broadcast is going to start and uh, you can watch the, the whole coverage. Um, so I think I think to answer your question about, you know, how does the sport of triathlon get to the next level? I think we have to continue. It's still a complex sport. Right. And when I talk to people on the street, it's always like I could never do that. Right. I think we have two problems. Right. Our barrier to entry is really high because people don't think they can do it. And they say, oh, I can't swim. I don't, I, you know, there's no way I could do it. I can't swim. Right. Um, and that's usually, the, usually what I get. Right. I think most people can ride a bike and most people could, could run or walk or whatever. Um, but for the most part, it's like the swim is the barrier to entry. Um, and so, and then also, I think there's an also, there's a, there's a problem where I think triathlon equals Ironman. Yeah, right? absolutely. So many people think a triathlon is Ironman. Yep. And they don't realize that, you know, it doesn't. And so we as a collective group um, have to continue to, con to tell people, educate people that triathlon does not equal Ironman. Correct. Um, good for them, right? They have an amazing brand. Yep. It's the Kleenex of triathlon, right? Um, but that's our problem in the sport. As I would far agree. As growth goes. And my I have strong belief and many of my peers have heard this many times is we have to teach adults how to swim yeah. we have to we have to teach them for free in every pool across the country if we teach them how to swim we say look we get all of our coaches and we say we're going to go to the local pool we're going to offer free swim lessons for adults but here's the caveat you have to sign up for a triathlon and we'll teach you how to swim for free yeah right yeah. And so partner coaches partner with race directors around the country and we get people in the pool, teach them how to swim for free, but they have to sign up for a triathlon. Yeah. My, uh, my mentor always told me when it came to sales and marketing, remove every single objection that you can. Right. And one way to remove the objection to participating in triathlon is to offer free lessons. Right. The more opportunity you give somebody to say yes to something, the more apt they are to participate in it. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we do at with Run, Try, Bike is promote one. You don't have to do an Ironman to be considered a triathlete. You don't have to run a marathon to be considered a runner. Like, we don't care. We don't care 
if if your love and enjoyment is 5Ks versus a 100-mile run, go do it. We will support you. We will pat you on the back, and we will cheer loud for you. If you want to race sprints and Olympics over 70.3s in Ironman distance, please do that too, right? Like enjoy the, the sport that is going to make you happiest and bring you the most joy. Um, the other thing that we try to do is, is educate beginners on all of this stuff. And um, one of our contributors, Danielle Moore, who is a certified swim coach, has written an article about adult onset swimmers. Because like to your point, if they fear getting in the water, then there's no chance they'll ever sign up for a triathlon. And I don't care if it's a 250-meter pool swim. They just won't do it. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're trying to break those barriers down as we go along, too. And so I agree with you. Um, and that might be something that we as a company take on is try to figure out how to get more people involved. I mentioned to you during the in our green room that I want to get certified as a race director because I want to put on a swim run event and a swim event here in Arizona for beginners, for people. Let's get them started. Let's get them to understand you don't have to do the triathlon to begin with. Start with the swim, right? Yep. And so if we can get that movement going, I think we can then bring more and more people into the sport. Um, the other thing that we've done is we've recently sponsored the youth team for the Mid-Maryland Tri-Club. If we oh, can get kids involved, they're 7 to 12-year-olds. Let's get them involved. I have this vision of creating a digital magazine for them where we hype the kids up, hype the parents up, like congratulations. Like the more we can do that, the more we can get people involved too. Um, are, do you have, have you had have any other ideas? I want to get into our rapid fire here real quick and I want to keep you too long, but any other ideas that we can bring the barriers down for entry into our sports, whether that's triathlon or any endurance sports for that matter? Well, I think the other thing would be cost, right? And so we have to make it more affordable for people to get to the, into the sport. We know it's an expensive sport. And so how do we do that for those that can't afford, you know, all the things that go along with it, right? Um, there's so many people that have, you know, 10 bikes in their garage, right, that they don't ride anymore. Right. So how do we get the bikes, those bikes into the hands of people who need a bike or can't afford a bike? Um, or wetsuits, an old wetsuit into the hands of people that, you know, again, can't afford it. So I think that as a community, there's a lot of ways and I think that there's, you know, people just collect these things, right? Because they continue to upgrade their equipment, those that have more disposable income. And if we could sort of like, you know, kind of pass that down to folks, you know, again, you say, hey, I'm going to give you a free bike, but here's the caveat. You've got to sign up for a triathlon. Right. Right. And so makes, make them accountable, make them accountable and so if we can do those types of programs, um, I mean, that's a big task, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that's driven from, you know, again, a governing body um, or, or, you know, a, a national organization or, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of work. And so that would be the other thing that I think free swim lessons and, and getting equipment into the hands of people that can't afford it. We're, we're going to take on that challenge. We may not be able to perfect it, but we're going to take on that challenge to figure that out. One of the things that we've been considering is locally creating a scenario for run clubs, right, where just come and join us and maybe we can get some shoe sponsors there to help with product and offering them a discount if they're old, um, older models and that kind of stuff. And just trying to get people engaged and involved in our sports, Um because it, to me, it, it really has helped me to run this business 
at times, as you know, as a business owner, like it is really hard and you just want to burn it all down and be like, I'm done with it and walk away. Um, and then you realize what you got yourself into and, and Hey, I can do hard things. It's no different than when you're, you know, in the middle of an Ironman or for Ohm's purposes, you're, you know, pretty soon he's going to be in the middle of a 240 mile race, right? There are going to be moments where you don't want to keep moving, but between, you know, running a business and also participating in those endurance sports, we can connect those two. And so we're, we're going to take on that challenge and try to figure out how do we do it. And if, if we do it just locally in our own hometown first, and then grow it from there on out. We can do that. Yeah, um, I'm happy to help. Appreciate that. So now we're, you know, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you've got, you know, a lot of stuff to do with PTO coming up this week. So we're going to jump into um, some rapid fire questions, but that doesn't mean that you have to answer within a second. You know, if you want to elaborate even more, please do so. Um, so when you're out running, music, podcast, or nothing at all? Uh, music or nothing. Okay, so when you're listening to music, favorite genre and favorite artist in that genre? Um, country uh, or, um, yeah, country, more, more than new country. And your favorite artist while you're listening to new country? Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe Chris Stapleton. I don't know. <laughs> you're in Dallas right now, so they are proud of their barbecue there. Are you a Texas-style barbecue, North Carolina-style barbecue, St. Louis-style barbecue? So I went to the first night I was here, I went to Hard Eight. Yep. Okay, if you're familiar with that, which is an amazing experience. I don't know what kind of barbecue it is, but it was a, it was a really cool place. Um, you get to see exactly, you know, they're cooking it right in front of you, and you get to see it. So, yeah, I guess that was, you know, yeah, Texas-style, yeah. Hard Eight is Texas-style barbecue for sure. Yeah. Um, Pizza. Let's talk pizza. I'm a New Yorker. So are you putting pineapple on pizza? Yes. Or no, no. Yeah. No, I, I will. I will like, you know, like, Hey, desperate times call for desperate measures sometimes, especially in the event business. Um, and so if it's there and there's nothing else, then, you know, I won't turn it down, but, but uh, no, I'm like a meat. I'm like a meat guy. Yeah. I like meat on my pizza. You don't have to turn down the pineapple. You can flick it off. You don't have to yeah, eat it. It's true. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an anti, you know, I'm not anti, um, it's okay, but not the, not my first choice. Style of pizza, New York, Chicago, or Detroit? New York. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we're coming up on Halloween here before you know it. So is candy corn a real candy? I've heard this question before. Okay. Um, now I grew up loving candy corn. Okay. As a Halloween candy. I know you, I know you hate that. Um, but, um, but now it, 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 yeah, now I can't eat it. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I just can't eat sugar like that anymore. But when I was younger, um, yeah, I love candy corn, but not anymore. Did you hear, or did you see that they're making a bacon flavored type no. of candy corn now? Yeah. That makes me sick. Just thinking about it. It wasn't bad enough. Let's make it worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bacon flavored wax. <laughs> What about peeps? Yeah, your thumbs up or thumbs down on peeps. Agreed. Agreed. We've had people who would come on and... You might as well open a sugar pocket and pour it down your throat. Yeah. Do you remember Fun Dip? Oh, yeah. As a kid? I mean, they I literally get a sugar stick. 
<laughs> sugar stick to dip in more sugar. It was yeah, amazing. And then when your when your when your stick ran out, I'd stick my finger in there to get it all out. <laughs> no candy wasted back then, that's for sure. No, no way, yeah. Yeah. Ride my was, bike to the store for a dollar and buy yep. fun dip. Fun dip. My goodness. Yeah. We pop uh, rocks. Yeah. Pop rocks. Lemon heads. You remember lemon heads? Yep. Man. Yep. Tizzy we had people Pitsy rolls. We had people on come on this chat and tell us that they that they didn't like peeps fresh, that they preferred them stale. Ugh. And I just couldn't imagine like the idea of eating doorstop. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Red velvet. Is that a real flavor or is it just chocolate with red dye? Oh boy. Ugh. Um I, uh, I I'm gonna go with dye. <laughs> it's right. It's just chocolate cake. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it just looks different. Are you a carrot cake fan? Yeah. Yeah, it's not my it's not my first go-to, but 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 uh but I it's so sweet. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I have a hard time like maybe a couple bites. Yeah. So then raisins in your carrot cake? Thumbs up no. or thumbs? No, no raisins. No. Not not a I used to I used to be okay with raisins, not anymore though. Yeah, but I'll so, do an oatmeal raisin cookie, though. Okay, good. Yeah, oatmeal raisin cookies are good. Yeah. Favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Yes! Excellent choice. Mm -hmm. Favorite TV show? Um, oh, boy. Um, like all time? Like all now? time. All time. Oh, boy. Maybe, uh, maybe Seinfeld. Yes, excellent. We are like... We are like best friends. Yeah, brothers. Brothers from another mother. <laughs> exactly. Eric, appreciate your time. Thank you for your insight about triathlon, Rev3, pickleball as well, and, and where we take the sport and giving us a challenge as a, as a small business. We, we're ready to take on that challenge to have, figure out how we can bring more people into endurance sports. Please feel free to join us any other time. We'd love to catch up with you after the PTO production, see how it went and everything that's going on with that. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Ohm, thank you very much for joining us as well. Yeah, I want to say thank you to you guys for, for doing what you do. It's amazing. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of your work, and obviously we've partnered in the past. And um, continue doing what you're doing. It's really um, it's amazing. And I also want to apologize for my poor um, internet connection. Um, but uh, I hope you understand that uh, I'm, I'm traveling right now and I'm, technology is, um, you know, not, my, not necessarily my friend or in my, in my control. So, again, apologize, but thanks for having me. No worries. As a matter of fact, this might be one of the worst produced chats we've had, but one of the most fun. I had the lights go off on me. <laughs> you lost. <laughs> um, and by the way, folks, for those of you that are still here, um, to Eric's point of what we are doing. So we are selling these hats. Visit our website under the shop connection they're they're $30 include shipping and handling and 20% of that goes to help fund uh, scholarships for first-time female triathletes through fund her try so please help support getting more people involved in these sports Eric Ohm thank you guys very much we'll chat with you guys soon have a great night thanks guys bye good night